Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the Nozillacast podcast, hosted at podfeed.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, December 5th, 2021, and this is show number 865. Well, Steve and I have had a crazy couple of days here. We've had, uh, let's see, three giant dogs, two cats, five adults, and two, uh, let's see, and two toddlers, babies running around the house. So it's been uh, kind of an exciting weekend here for us. And uh, so the show is going to be a little bit of a different format, and you'll see what that means in just a moment. One of the great joys of podcasting is the cool people we get to meet along the way, many of whom are fellow podcasters. Steve and I have recently become friends with Bodie Grimm, whom we met through Tom Merritt's Daily Tech News Show podcast. Have you ever had a friend who feels like an old friend that you just met? That's kind of how we feel about Bodie. Bodie's a firefighter and an electric vehicle enthusiast, so I recently had him on Chit Chat Across the Pond to explain to the audience the difference between an internal combustion engine fire and an electric vehicle fire. That was a fantastic episode. Now, Bodie is also the host of the fabulous Kilowatt podcast, which is all about electric vehicles. He decided he wanted to conduct his first annual Thanksgiving special with Steve, me, his daughter Sierra, and her partner Brad. You see, Brad and Sierra have a Tesla Model 3, and they, like Steve and me, have been trying to get into full self-driving beta with Tesla. The show was really, really great fun because Bodhi tried to pit partners against each other, asking us things like, describe how the other person drives, and, you know, other more good-natured ribbing. I had a blast, and not just because I ended up getting to tell my story yet again of how FSD beta isn't quite ready for primetime yet. You'll have the rare opportunity to hear Steve in front of the microphone if you listen to this episode. I hope you will give it a listen and subscribe by going to your podcatcher of choice and looking for the Kilowatt podcast and and, uh, downloading the Thanksgiving special. Or, of course, you can follow the link in the show notes. In late October, Facebook announced that the Facebook company was naming itself to Meta. A little bit later, Mark Zuckerberg published a video where he described his vision of the future metaverse. Now, I haven't been following this too closely, but it seems to be turning into something that I might need to understand or want to understand. I decided to ask Tom Merritt, host of the Daily Tech News Show that I just mentioned a minute ago, uh, to come on Chit Chat to try to make sense of these two things for us. In this episode, we talk about what the name change for Facebook really means and what it probably doesn't mean. Like, is it just like Google becoming part of Alphabet? Anyway, from there, Tom explains the vision of what the metaverse is expected to be. I thought it was a fascinating explanation, and I learned a lot from talking to Tom. Now, during the conversation, Tom references his show, Know a Little More, where he explains complex technical topics in short-form, deep-dive format. He talks in chit-chat across the pond about NFTs and blockchain, but he suggests listening to his episodes on those topics if you want to, you know, know a little bit more. I really think the Know a Little Bit More episodes are fantastic, and I really encourage you to go listen to those if you want to understand what they mean, but this show still stands on its own. If you'd like to find all of Tom pod- Tom's podcasts and the books he's written, you can always find all of his work at TomMerritt.com. And you can find this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond under Chit Chat Across the Pond Light in your podcatcher of choice. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. This tiny tip is going to be about programming. When I'm programming, I often run into problems I can't solve. I've gotten pretty good at reading the documentation at Bart's insistence. He makes me read the manual. And I read lots of forum discussions on sites like Stack Overflow, where people help each other with their code. 
but it's still pretty common that I can't figure out how to fix my code. Now, I often engage Dorothy in a text chat, which sometimes turns into a Skype chat with screen sharing. One of the most annoying things about Dorothy helping me is that she always asks me what I'm trying to do. It's annoying because that's the right question. I'll be down in the weeds saying, I can't push into this array, but she wants to know why I want to push into the array that I hope to accomplish when I do. Sounds kind of like she's saying, what problem are you trying to solve, doesn't it? I hate that. Anyway, sometimes I write an email to Dorothy or to Bart or I engage Helma, where I try to describe the problem on which I'm stuck. What I find really often is that I try, while I try to articulate the problem I'm having, I have to keep mutating what I'm writing as I discover logic problems or syntax problems in what I've written. Recently, I was stuck in a rather gnarly coding problem and I came up with an absolutely fabulous solution to it. I didn't write to Dorothy. I didn't write to Bart. I didn't write to Helma. I wrote a letter with no intention of sending it to anyone at all. My theory was that I might be able to solve my own problem if I simply pretended I was trying, going to write this letter and send it to someone. I started out by writing what wasn't working. As I tried to explain the problem, I found two entire functions that I had written and yet weren't being used to do anything at all in my code. So I got rid of those. As I tried to explain why they were there in my fake letter, I was able to verify that they didn't need to be there at all. Luckily, just because of writing this letter, my code got simpler. Now, I'm not surprised to find extra code lying around. I program in fits and starts. When I start coding, it's all consuming. Hours and hours can go by in the blink of an eye, which often turns into days where I get nothing else done. After three days, I realize, oh man, I got to write for the podcast, so I really have to stop. And I may not get back to what I was doing for weeks or sometimes even months. I wish I could figure out a way to set aside maybe four to eight hours per week to program, you know, consistently, so I'd make slow but steady progress, but I haven't yet figured out a way to do that. If I wrote a function during one of those fits and starts, I may not even remember doing it weeks later when I come back to it. Anyway, once I had documented where I was stuck and eliminated unnecessary code, I channeled my inner Dorothy and I asked myself, what was I trying to do? As much as I hate to give Dorothy a pat on the back, that question was exactly what I needed to ask in order to figure out where I'd gone wrong. After a day or two of trying to write a coherent description of my problem that I never ended, intended to send to anyone, I figured out what I was actually trying to do, I eliminated unnecessary code, and I wrote some tight code that actually accomplished my goal. Now, perhaps this is a technique that seasoned programmers already know about, but I wanted to share it because it was a huge help to me to write a letter that I never intended to send. You know how when you buy a piece of home automation, you know you have to set aside you know, four to six hours to get it uh, working properly? You're guaranteed endless hours of entertainment when you first start working on it. And with any luck, again in the future, if you ever even think of breathing on that device, you're going to get hours of endless entertainment then too. The good news is you pay a lot of money for these smart devices, especially if they're compatible with HomeKit. In our Slack community at podfeet.com Slack, Frank, also known as Wheels, asked if anyone had a recommendation for inexpensive, small smart plugs. Stephen Getz jumped in with the recommendation of the Meros Smart Wi-Fi Plug Mini. He likes them because they're inexpensive, and he says they work really well for him. He had told me about Meros before, but I assumed that they must not be HomeKit compatible because rarely do the words inexpensive and HomeKit go together. When I followed the link he posted in Slack to learn more about them, I was surprised to find out that they were not only inexpensive, they were emblazoned with a giant works with Apple HomeKit logo. 
They also work with Amazon's Smart Assistant as well as uh, Google Assistant, and they're compatible with smart things. Now, check out the price. A two-pack is only $23. That's $11.50 each, direct from Maros.com. Now, you can get a four-pack for $33 on Amazon, but the four-pack listed is not HomeKit compatible. If you need four and only need A-Lady, G-Man, or SmartThing support, that's a mere $8.25 apiece. I don't know if you've priced smart plugs, but that's super inexpensive compared to anything I've bought before. I love Belkin, for example, but a single smart plug from them is $25. You can get two of them for, for $23 direct from Maros. I mentioned to Steve how cool the Maros smart plug sounded and how great the price was and that I was thinking of buying them. He was not super enthusiastic about this idea. You see, Steve really loves that I keep experimenting with different vendors, necessitating separate apps for Eufy, Wise, Wemo, Ring, August, Ember Sense, Daikin, MyQ, Hue, LifeX, iDevices, Top Greener, and Elgato. I'm sure we even missed a few with that list. You can imagine how thrilled he was when I said I was going to add Maros to the mix. He also tried to make the very valid point that we didn't need any more smart plugs in our house. So, of course, I bought them anyway. I received my two-pack of Mero Smart Plug Minis, and I set aside a half day to get them working. When I took the plugs out of the box, both had very visible HomeKit QR codes on their sides. I launched the HomeKit app on my iPhone, navigated to my den for the room to put the device in. I tapped the plus button to add a new device. The camera came up, inviting me to scan the QR code on the Mero's plug. I held up the plug, it read the QR code, and then it said it was trying to connect. At this point, it occurred to me that perhaps having the device plugged into the mains would be a bright idea, and as soon as I plugged it in, the home app recognized it in short order and asked me to give it a name. It was now visible in my den, in the home app, and fully functional as a smart plug. Seriously, I think it took me maybe three minutes, and at least two of that was thinking I would be able to connect to it without being plugged into the wall. I was so disappointed in this experience. Why did Maros make the QR code so visible and obvious instead of maybe hiding it inside where it had to be opened with a screwdriver, like the smart plug we have in our garage? Why did scanning the QR code even work when it never does on our Wemo switches? How come it allowed me to rename the device and save it to the correct room in the home app? How come the inexpensive Wise smart plugs aren't HomeKit compatible, but the equally inexpensive Maros one is HomeKit compatible? My Eero router reported a new device on the network, and I thought for sure the Maros would be called something like IEEE 1324, like other inexpensive Wi-Fi devices. But no, it was correctly identified as a Maros smart plug. So what kind of fun and entertainment is this? If you were hoping to avoid your family for hours and hours over the holidays because you'd be busy setting up Maros smart plugs for them, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I thought for sure I could find something the Maros smart plug couldn't do. I have a scene in HomeKit called It's Showtime that turns off the landline, turns on my side lamp with a Wemo switch, and my LifeX life, life strip behind me along with a few other things. The It's Showtime scene is also part of an automation that turns on at 4.45pm every Sunday night right before the live show and it turns off again at 6.45pm. That way I can do it by hand if I want by yelling It's Showtime or if I forget to do it and it gets to be quarter till on uh, show night, it'll just turn on by itself. I thought this would be good sport to watch the Maros smart plug fall over in a heap if I tried to get it to join to the It's Showtime scene. I plugged my Google Home into the Maros as a test. In the Home app, when I selected the Maros plug settings, it offered a suggestion, maybe you want to add it to 
It's showtime scene. HomeKit must have figured out that since it's in my den where most of the other devices in the scene are, maybe I want to add the Maros to that scene. I added the Maros to It's Showtime and added it to the time-based automation, and just as I feared, when I said, hey, yes, lady, it's showtime, the Maros smart plug turned off, disabling my Google Home. I'm really running out of ways to find anything wrong with this plug. I got really excited at one point because I plugged it in and it didn't respond. I thought for sure I had some troubleshooting to do. That's when I realized I just grabbed the second Mero Smart Plug that I hadn't yet added to HomeKit. Sure enough, I swapped in the enabled one and it worked flawlessly. Did I mention that these Smart Plugs from Meros don't even require a hub like Hue and Wise do? Now, another thing, it can be a bummer when devices are only available in the United States. I'm afraid to tell you that Meros has plugs for the EU, UK, and Australia. Now, the plugs I bought work in the US and Canada, and they also sell the same plug for Japan. So that's not even a downside to the Mero Smart Plugs. They're also not even a one-trick pony. They've got HomeKit compatible, uh, a desk lamp, wall light switches, a garage door opener, a blinds controller, an air purifier, a thermostat, color LED bulbs, light strips, and a three-device outdoor plug over at shop.meros.com. Now, Stephen Getz told me that he bought the wall light switches from Maros, and they've been great. He explained that when his internet service went down, they still worked, because they're a physical wall switch. That made me take a closer look at the smart plugs I bought. I discovered they have a button on them to disable and enable them manually, so they too would work if the internet went down or if somebody just didn't know how to run the thing. Yet another thing I can't complain about with the Maros smart plugs. I'm afraid I can only come up with one problem with the Mero Smart Wi-Fi Plug Mini. It's because I can't find anything left in my house to automate with it. I am delighted to start thanking our three-year patrons, starting this week with Richard Appia, Jonathan Scott, also known as Nuclear John in the live chat room, John Atwood, Jonathan Weinman, and Clinton McDonald. Evidently, 2018 was a good year for patrons named John, rounded out with a Richard and a Clinton. Every one of these people has pledged a dollar amount that works for them and that shows their appreciation for the work we do here. They're letting me know that we help educate them, entertain them, or maybe just keep them company as they go about their days. I'm so happy that they've chosen this way to support us and help keep the lights on here. If you'd like to join them, head on over to podfeet.com Patreon and show your appreciation as well. Well, you guys have probably heard me talk before about my good friend, Pat Dangler, who is a certified Apple consultant. In fact, you might remember just last week, I talked to her about trying to help me diagnose that pesky Eero networking problem. One of the things that Pat does for her job, or maybe she just does it for fun, I'm not sure, is she experiments with different devices so she can make informed decisions for her clients. That's the excuse she gives anyway for buying one of absolutely everything. Um, She's been an August SmartLock user, like me, for quite a while, but she wanted to check out the offering from a company called Level. And I'm a huge fan of the SmartLock, so of the August SmartLock. In fact, it's probably close to my single favorite home automation device. So I asked Pat if she would come on and chat with us about why she would look at a different lock and what she's finding out with uh, looking at level. So first of all, thanks for coming on the show with me, Pat. Hi, Allison. So always uh, happy to be here. Pat and I love to, to chat nerd stuff, so we're just going to let you guys in on our little conversation. Um, so I interviewed the company level at the last CES I was allowed to go to, So uh, and it did look like they had an interesting um, uh, interesting offering. But before we dig into that, what, what was your observations of the August Smart Lock? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you think, oh, this thing needs to go, or you just wanted to try something new? 
So I really, really like the August Smart Lock. And um, I, so back in the day, um, the, the very first home automation thing I think I installed was a Schlage lock that was a deadbolt and it had a keypad and it had an actual um, tumbler, you know, for the, for a key to go in there and, and use. And I love that lock because it allowed me to not carry my keys with me if I didn't want to, but it, that's pretty much all he could do. Um, okay. You couldn't there like, was no share other, it with other people or anything? Exactly. There was very, very little automation, if at all. Okay. Um, so when, when August Lock came out, I thought, this sounded pretty good. And um, I know that it was sold at the time in the Apple Store. So I thought, well, it's got, you know, a little Apple love there. Um, and compared to all the other locks that were being offered, I liked it because it hit all of the things that I needed. I needed an actual physical key to be able to get in in case the electronics failed. Right. Um, and I wanted HomeKit. So go ahead. And it also, the thing I, that I liked about it was from the outside of the house, it looks like a regular lock because it exactly. actually is a, still your regular lock. Well, you don't even replace your regular lock on the outside of the house. It's on the inside that it looked different. Right, exactly. You didn't have to change the... Um, keys at all. Right. Um, which is something that you had to do with the Schlage going back a little bit. Um, so level came out and what I really liked about it is it satisfied one problem that I was really seeing with the August lock in that people who would come to my house to visit as we were saying goodbye and they walked to the front door, they would look at the door and not know what to do because the August <laughs> lock is a big honking it looks like a can of tuna that, that yes. stuck to, with the label off, right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, it's obvious to me, of course, because I've been using it forever and you just, you have to stick your whole hand around the thing and then twist and it would open no problem. So uh, when I saw the level lock and I thought, boy, this looks really nice because it's all it is, is the little, I don't know what you call it, the little lever, just like a normal deadbolt. Oh, there's a name for it. The thing, you, <laughs> the little thing you twist when you want to do a yeah. deadbolt. That thing. Exactly. I'm we, sure somebody who's listening knows exactly what it is, and I wish they were on now. Yeah, I bet um, everybody listening is going, you <laughs> idiots! Well, you don't know what you're talking about if you don't know what that is. <laughs> right. Um, and it, it has a really good reputation. Um, and I thought, you know what? Uh, I, I did get a good deal for Black Friday, or yes, it was Black Friday, and um, I thought, let me give it a try. So I ordered it. It arrived. I installed it in no time at all. It was super easy. Um, let me let me does, back you up first. Do, uh, yeah. Is it HomeKit? Yes. Compatible? Okay, good. Absolutely. Um, so the one downside is it comes with its own lock. So if I want to have it rekeyed to match the rest of my house, I need to have a professional do it because that's outside of my scope. Um, Ooh, so, so it's it not changes the outside and the inside. Correct. Yes, okay. it comes with its, because, so this particular model was called the level lock touch. And what that means is that in order to lock or unlock the door, all I have to do is put my finger on the outer ring of the deadbolt itself on the outside. So it's not fingerprint. It's actual touch of my finger. So long as I'm set up with the app. Uh, on my phone and I have my phone with me. 
Okay, so you sent me some pictures that I'll put in the show notes. It looks like mm-hmm. a regular a regular keyed lock. It's a it's a yes. circle with a little keyhole in it. But you're saying exactly. that outer ring is is touch sensitive? Correct. So yep. you must have to have your phone with you to authentic it, your phone's doing the authentication but your finger is exactly. saying I'm actually here. Exactly. Yes. And mm. even though if I was standing nearby and you put your finger, it would not unlock. Oh, come on. How does it know it's you? Uh, you know what? Magic. No, no, no. Come on. It's so yeah, you're, I, I don't you're know. saying if I'm standing right next to you and you've got the phone right next to the key and I touch it, it wouldn't unlock. In my experience, and my testing has only been for a few days, okay. that it hasn't unlocked with other people touching the lock. It, it has to be something to do with proximity because if, I mean, unless you told it you were, you know, unless you taught it what your finger print or sensitivity is. Right. Yeah. It, it's definitely something I would like to find out more about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, it just seemed that way in any case. All right. Correct. Uh, so it is, um, a beautiful lock. It's well-designed. It was very easy to install. It actually feels like it works better. The mechanism works better manually than the August lock does. My August lock was a little rough when I would open and close the lock. And this is smooth as butter. Yeah, I remember when Steve and I were over the last time, we we didn't have time, but we were thinking, you know, we should help you take that apart and see what's going on with it. Because, yeah, it was crunchy. Yes, exactly crunchy, yeah. Now, and now ours, got, ours got crunchy after a while, and Steve went in and just uh, took it apart and cleaned it out. And, and uh, he he did have to do some fiddling to make sure that the, the deadbolt itself was sliding smoothly mm-hmm. in and out and, and moved the little panel around a bit, and he got ours working smoothly. But one of the problems with the August lock is when it gets crunchy, boy, do those batteries burn out quickly, huh? Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um so I, uh, I found that uh, even after doing uh, calibration, which is what they recommend on the August lock, it was still pretty crunchy. Hmm. So that was sort of another, uh, I don't know what you want to call excuse. it. But, but yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> An- another excuse for me to, uh, to make the jump and, and try the level lock. Um, so, so far, I'm really s- happy with it. You said it Go was ahead. really easy to install. What was the process to install? Does it come I, with its I, own deadbolt and stuff? It does. The, oh, okay, the, the whole, whole mechanism. And the, I forgot what the, uh, not kick plate, but the little plates that yeah. go uh, around the deadbolt and the part that goes inside the door, which okay. I ended up not replacing mine just because I didn't really need to. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you just unscrew, take a couple of Phillips screws and um, undo, you know, your existing lock and then put all the pieces in together and put the battery in and then pair it up in the app and you're good to go. And then at that point you can assign people to have access. Wait a minute. You either, skipped the part where you fight with your oh, router and 2.4 gigahertz and you have to turn no, that off and, and no? no, no, none of that. And is this becoming a thing of the past? <laughs> Apparently. And no, um, no hub was necessary. It's all oh. built in. It's its own thing. So um, is it Wi-Fi then? It's got to be, right? Because uh, it's got to be, t- it, it can't be Bluetooth and be talking to your router. Your router could p- 
potentially be pretty far away. So it must be Wi-Fi. I did not have to do a Wi-Fi dance, you know, where you have to go back and forth and all of that. I didn't have to do any of that. It was all done within the app. It recognized the the lock as soon as I opened up the app. You know, I think think HomeKit might be doing that because um, I'll have talked in the show either before or after this about the Mm -hmm. new uh, Meros uh, Wi-Fi smart plug I put in place. And all I did was scan the uh, QR code with HomeKit. And all of a sudden, my Eero said, a device has joined your network. So I scanned... I scanned the HomeKit code that was in the packaging. Yeah. And did you get it? Do you remember, or can you see it on your Eero? If you can, then it's, that means it is on your Wi-Fi. I haven't, I haven't looked. Okay. It, it probably is. It, I mean, it would have to because Bluetooth, uh, if it's. I imagine. Yeah. Bluetooth isn't going to get through walls far enough and stuff uh, to, to yeah. be able to, uh, to take care of it. So that's yeah. good. well. It's it's even better that you didn't have to worry your pretty little head about it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's it was my, my it kind was of it almost felt easier to install than the August Lock because the August Lock you have the adapters that you have to fiddle with to make sure you get the right one, mm-hmm. and then this particular model has those two winged clamps that have to clamp on really tight, yeah. and I've always struggled with those, and they kind of hurt my fingers at the end trying yeah. to squeeze them in just so. So yeah, I, I had no pain. They had, by the way, for people who are looking into these kinds of locks uh, to defend August, the reason they have these adapters and things is because they're trying to adapt to your existing lock so that you don't have to rekey your house and you don't change right. anything on the outside. You don't get a new deadbolt. All What you're getting is a thing that grabs hold of the the rotating piece inside the mechanism and it grabs it and turns it. And so since they're not all the same, they provide these little adapters and clamps and things. So they're, right. they're kind of fitting a different need. And that's really, really great if you are a renter or someplace where you want to be able to take the August lock back with you when you're done living there. Um, Yeah, that's what it's ideal for. This is different because as a renter, you wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, readily change the deadbolt. Right, Um, right. So yeah. now, now uh, the the other advantage you were talking about the uh, level has more ways of getting into the house than just through an app and sharing uh, sharing access through an app, correct? Exactly. So they provide with the kit that that I bought um, two key cards, so they look like credit cards, and they have their own. From what I've read, a proprietary NFC, not exactly. I, I think they have it locked down, so they don't want you to copy the key cards. Oh, um, that would so be far, good. I, I have found people get around it, and probably in the same way that they do with the Tesla key cards. <laughs> um, so uh, you just tap the, you can give the card to someone, and they can tap that against the lock, and then that opens up the lock. So it's like um, in the old days, giving someone a physical key. Correct. Yeah, you, and they sell as an accessory a small keychain fob that pretty much does the same thing. Okay, okay. So, and it looks like they also give you keys, like physical yes. keys. They give you two keys, and it is the Schlage style key. Okay, I think there's a name for it. See something or other, but um, yeah, it's the same as a Schlage lock. It's kind of neat. So you get a lot of flexibility. You can so you can use a regular, you know, give somebody a regular key. If, if mm-hmm. you've got somebody who would be confused by the other methods, they've got the NFC cards. If you just want to have it slotted into your wallet or be able to hand them out to people and get them back or not, uh, can you right. can you get extras of those? 
Yes, you can purchase a four pack of the key cards for twenty dollars. That's not bad. And a four pack of the mini key fobs for twenty dollars as well. And oh, mine wow. are arriving on Friday. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. One of the things, uh, it, well, okay, so let's say you make the little key fobs and you give one to your dog walk. I'm sorry, your cat walker. So you got somebody who's yes. going to come over and walk uh, Maddie once a week or twice a week. Can you uh, revoke access if you don't want that person coming near Maddie again? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just go in, go in the app and delete that key, key card or key fob. Key card or key fob. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. It makes the physical key the least secure way of giving somebody access to your house. Right. Um, And then the the other way is you can invite somebody through the app. And as you and I played with that a little bit, um, you can give out access as um, uh, not an admin, but a guest. So they're sort of like somebody in your family, for example, um, you can give out that kind of access or you can set um, a certain time. So let's say you have a housekeeper and you want to give them access to the house uh, only on Wednesdays from between three and six. So you can set that parameter so that other times when they come, uh, the access they have in the app will not get get them into the lock. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Real specific. Exactly. What they call a pass is, uh, for example, me, I have a pass because it's my house and I set it up. Um, but I can give somebody a pass that says you can come into the house for the next week. Right. So let's say I'm getting work done in the house, but you can't say between certain hours. It's just from this day to X days from now. Okay, so you've got a contractor uh, doing some redoing your hardwood floors. Then uh, she can come in Monday through Friday, and then she can't come in after that. The pass the exactly. pass expires, and you yep. don't have to know. You don't have to. She doesn't have to be a named person. So a named person would be people who would be repeatedly coming in. Exactly. Okay. Okay, that's a, that's an interesting distinction. Um, so, can you make a second person an admin? Um, it appears to be. I haven't tried it yet. Why didn't you, you give me admin access to your house? Jeez, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could. You live far enough away. <laughs> You'd see me coming. You've got me on on fine friends anyway, right? Ex- exactly. Yes, I hear that Tesla. Oh no, I guess I wouldn't. Yeah. See. See. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, you made a um, note in here about it works with Ring? With, with yeah, Sidewalk? Yeah, so there, um, you have to have the Sidewalk function turned on. I haven't tried it yet, even though I do have Ring devices. Um, but they advertise that it works with Apple HomeKit and with Ring. So yes. I don't know whether or not it works with Amazon Alexa or any of the other automation products that are out there. But it does. it is listed as working with those two. Okay. So I have just a vague description of what uh, Sidewalk is, is it's sort of like a little mini network thing that uh, Amazon creates with things like uh, devices on the outside of your house, like Ring or smart lights that are going down your walkway, something like that. I haven't quite understood it. It gives me a queasy feeling is all I can say. I mean, it's not based in complete logic, just 
general distrust. Right. I, I don't need it, so I haven't ventured in that in that okay. pool. Okay. So um, let's see. And and like like a lot of these, by the way, when we're talking about access, I can see who has come in and out and locked or unlocked or, you know, if it was manually locked or if it was unlocked by Allison Sheridan or me. Um, oh. You know, it keeps a record. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's neat. I don't yeah. know that I can see that. I, I rely on my on my ring, actually, to tell me that somebody's been at the front door and that I look to see who's wandering around my house with one of the 28 different varieties of cameras and things I have set up. <laughs> now, uh, I mentioned battery life has is, is been sometimes challenging. Like I said, when it's crunchy in a uh, August lock, then your battery's going to last about two weeks. But other when it's not, it lasts months and months and months. What's the uh, battery situation with the level? So, so far, what it tells me is the battery is healthy. <laughs> um, it's not giving me a percentage. It uses the, the little CR2 battery. I think they used to be called camera batteries. It's like um, a short squat, double A-ish kind of thing. A, but shorter. Yeah, no, just one of those? A little, little bit wider. Yep, just one. And it goes into the deadbolt itself. So you unscrew the end oh. and put it in there and then screw the end back. So really easy um, access. That's nice. I do like the way the yeah. August opens up. You push on part of it and it pops open, but then it's got four double A's. So those CR2 yeah. batteries are a little harder to get, but still, you know, I'm sure Savon or, or CVS or, you know, Amazon instant gratification would bring them to you, right? Yeah, they're, they're around, definitely. And according to level, with an average of 10 open and closes, uh, closing, closes <laughs> of the uh, lock, um, it should last a year. We'll oh, see. okay. All right. I mean, even if it's six months, that's that's forever. Yeah, that's right? pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And and the nice thing is you can still get in your house with a key, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you think you gotta you gotta still have a key somewhere sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I keep one in my car just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any any cons you can see to this? This is you've got a lot of pros uh we've talked about, right? Right. Have we uh let's see. Uh, at least on the pros, I found that it's quieter than August, a lot oh. quieter and very smooth. So it, there's no roughness, you know, does it when make you're a happy noise when it when it unlocks. It does. Oh good. Yeah, it has that which you can turn off if you want to, but it does make a happy jingle and in a different jingle not unhappy or either way but a, just a different jingle when you open versus close oh i just thought of a question um, i forgot to ask do you have to touch uh, it or can you just walk up and it unlocks as you get close with proximity uh, so that is actually on my cons list the the you have the choice okay. you can open the lock or lock it by a touch or you could have it auto unlock but you can't do both you have to pick and you can switch back and forth, but if you have it set to auto unlock, which was a feature I loved on the August lock, mm -hmm. um, then you can't do the touch. So what advantage so is the touch? Does it feel more secure that you have to touch it? That's what I feel like. I have a yeah. little more control because if I'm being followed by somebody, maybe I don't necessarily want to unlock my door at that moment. I, I, I don't yeah. know. There's something about having 
a little more granular control. Mm-hmm. I, I liked. Uh, what I found with the August lock is it didn't always work for me. <laughs> I, was just, um, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, mine is, yeah. mine'll do it like nine times out of 10 and then it'll just get in a mood and it's in a mood right now, except for today it did unlock for me, but uh, for the last week it's just gone like, wait, what? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm sleeping. I forgot to yeah. open it. My bad. <laughs> you know? it, it was kind of like door roulette or something every time i'd walk up the door is this the time it's gonna work (laughs) yeah and it did have it did have a watch complication which is nice but when it doesn't automatically unlock it also doesn't obey my watch so i wonder if there's some bluetooth thing not happening oh no so that was my option was i would open up the watch app and unlock it that way okay um and i can do that through the HomeKit app HomeKit complication on the watch. Ooh, it just takes a little more navigation uh, because I have to open up the HomeKit app and then navigate to where the lock is and then hit unlock. Okay. Um, okay. Now the now the one thing I like about the app on the phone is that the minute you open the app, the door is right there and you just hit the button and unlock. So yeah. there wasn't there isn't a lot of pecking around in order to to unlock it through the app. Yeah, I didn't even know you could do it with HomeKit. That's that's good to know. Yep. Um, so three things. Well, we covered the one. The one thing is that you can't do the auto unlock and the touch at the same time. So that's one of my cons. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing is, uh, in particular with the touch, I haven't tried the auto unlock, but I believe it's the same parameter. You can only unlock the door once while you were still within the geofence of the lock. So within for them, it's 200 meters. So if I want to unlock the door a second time, I have to run 200 meters down the block and then run back. What? And then I can do it. Yep. They call that a safety feature, and I have yet to figure out exactly (laughs) why. But, you know, if I go outside, for example, and, uh, well, let's say I come home, I go inside the house, I unlock the door, I go inside the house for a few minutes, then I go back outside to put my trash cans away, mm-hmm. and it takes me, you know, more than the automatic time I have set for the, the door to lock, and then I come back, I can't unlock the door with the touch. I'll have to open up the app and unlock it that way. Oh, okay. You can do it with the app, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. I thought you it. had you to run to the touch feature. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just picture but, your neighbor is going, why does Pat keep running away from her house and running yeah. back? <laughs> but she only does it when she gets her trash cans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. So that's, that's one pet peeve. The other thing, at least comparing it to the August lock, the August lock had a great feature where it had a sensor that you can install that will let you know if the door is actually ajar. Oh, because yeah. if you're not home, and you're trying to lock the door, if the door is open and you run the deadbolt, then your door is still open. Yeah, yeah. And you, you don't know one way or the other. On the level lock, at least with the August lock, it would tell you, you know what, your door is actually open. The other thing is you, um, can, you get notifications, notifications if you've left it ajar for too long. Correct. So we yes. found that to be handy at Lindsay's house with a small toddler who could go tumbling down the front steps, that it was nice to know that the front door is unlocked or open, yep. I should say, yep. if it's ajar. Yeah. So so that was that was a, a big 
that that's one of the it's it's if I talked about how much all these things weighed, mm-hmm. um, the fact that the lock is small and sleek and quiet is huge. But these other things are huge too. But so far, I'm going to keep the level lock. Yeah, those seem like just minor differences. Those don't seem that doesn't seem huge. I, yeah, I, I would think the a lot of people don't like the idea of a smart lock that looks stupid. And and to be honest, a can of tuna does look a little weird on your door. Yes. It's not the <laughs> plus if you. I think you talked about having a a door that doesn't have a lot of clearance around it. You if you can't fit a can of tuna on your door handle, right. then then that's going to be problematic. Yes, and that's the case with my back door. I could never. I still have my old Schlage lock because it still works, um, but it's going to stop working one of these days. Um, what I did do is I purchased actually a while ago, I just haven't installed it yet, but I purchased one of the more recent versions of the August lock because they are smaller than the one that I had on my, uh, living room door. Right. Right. So, uh, what about the price point? How do the August and the, uh, level, uh, compare? So the August runs about $179, I believe. Okay. I could be, yeah, $179 right now it's on sale. So its regular price at Amazon is two twenty nine. Um, the level lock is a little bit more expensive. It's uh, three twenty nine at either level or at Amazon. They did have a Black Friday sale. I'm sorry. Don't no don't tell people that just makes sorry. them sad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't be sad. Maybe they're going to have it on sale again. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <clears throat> um, yeah. So it it is a little pricey for a lock. Yeah. The the um, the uh, August has been around for quite a while, so that's probably one of the reasons that it's uh, it's just kind of sitting at it, it's dropped in price because it hasn't changed a lot in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And they're on their fourth generation of the lock. Yeah, I um, I haven't looked at them in a while. I normally go see them at CES. Um, we're still debating whether or not that would be a super dumb thing or a fun thing to do to go to CES. Um, August has a couple of different versions. They've got uh, some that look a little bit cooler, but. The, mm-hmm. None of none of them look like what a normal human would expect a door lock to look at look like. <laughs> exactly, and that's one yeah. of the big advantages of that. All right, well, this is this has been really cool, Pat. I appreciate you coming on. I know uh, I like to call Pat my reluctant guest because she thinks she's going to be terrible on the air, but she's awesome on the air, and you guys can hear it here. <laughs> so, uh, if people live in the Los Angeles area and need uh, anybody to help with uh, Apple tech problems, the person I always send people to is Pat Dingler. Um, I think one of your superpowers is helping women. Uh, because not all men are this way, but there are tech support men who try to make women feel stupid when they help them. And that is not who Pat Dengler is. She walks in and she's just a regular human. And uh, so if people want, uh, she's blushing, I'm watching her on camera here, but uh, (laughs) um, if people wanted to contact you, uh, you've got uh, your email address is pat at denglerconsulting.com. And of course, there will be a link in the show notes and your uh, Google voice number for people to contact you directly if they need help, correct? Yes, absolutely. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Pat. This was super fun. Thanks for having me, Allison. It's always great to talk with you. Well, I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, after Pat and I finished recording, we figured out why the level lock appeared to only open on touch when Pat touched it. Remember when she kidded around about it was magic that only she could unlock it? She told me the test case that was so confusing. She opened the lock from the outside and then she went inside the house. 
She had her friend with her try to open the lock by touching it from the outside while Pat was on the other side of the door with her phone, fully within Bluetooth range, so it wasn't a range problem. She expected it to open when her friend did it, but it didn't. Her friend was able to open the door with the, uh, open the lock with the app. When we walked through this after the recording, she realized what was wrong. Remember she said that once you open it with touch, you can't open it right away with touch? She had just unlocked it with touch right before her friend had tried to do it, and that's why it didn't work. In fact, she did not have the magic touch. I know she likes to think so. Anyway, we had a great time, and I hope you enjoyed that discussion. A little bit different format for the No Cellacast, but uh, I love talking to Pat, and I thought it'd be fun for you guys to be able to listen in on one of our geeky conversations. We are heading into the holidays here, and things are going to get hectic. Christmas, I think it's on a Saturday, if I've got that right. Let me double-check my calendar. Yeah, it's on a Saturday, and the New Year's is on a Saturday. So that means the Christmas show will be difficult, and the New Year's show will be difficult, and I've got a video due for Don in the middle. So I really, really, really need content from you guys. If you can send in audio recordings, that would be fantastic to help the show and keep it going, because we don't want to be like one of those other shows that shuts down over the holidays and you got nothing to listen to on those long drives or when you're stuck with your relatives. Anyway, I hope you guys can help me out. I do have uh, one review already from uh, Grumpy, um, our our good friend Mike, and uh, I hope I get more from you. And how can you get those to me? You can email them to me at allison at podfeet.com anytime you like. If you have a question or suggestion, just send it on over to allisonandpodfeet.com. Now, I'm not on Facebook anymore, so if you want to follow me on Twitter is a good place over at Podfeet. Well, better yet, I would suggest you join our Slack community at podfeet.com slash Slack, because there you can talk to not just to me, but all the other lovely Nocilla castaways, including Bart. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. You want to support the show like our great three-year supporters have done? Podfeet.com slash Patreon. If you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that at podfeet.com slash PayPal. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed. <laughs>